Blog Talk Radio. In a world where everyone is a social media guru, there is one lodestone, one brightest point in the sky, one true north. Uh, We have no idea where that is, but we've been here every Tuesday since August 2008, bringing you the absolute best and brightest guests from the world of social media and Internet marketing. Welcome to Social Media Edge Radio. And now it's time to get this show on the commode. Here's your host, Ken Cook, and co-host Mike Mueller. Oh, wait a minute, Mr. Announcer. You didn't say that right. You you, you left out a part of that. It is Mike (laughs) Mueller. Good morning. (laughs) Good morning. Or if you're listening later on, good afternoon. Or good evening. Or good night, man. You know... Welcome to the silliest show on Blog Talk Radio. Actually, that's not true. I've listened to some other ones, and we've got a lot of competition out there. But if this is your first time tuning in, uh, it's called Social Media Edge Radio for a reason, and that's because we focus around social media topics. So marketing, uh, keyword digging, uh, information gathering, news watching. There's so many things you can do in social media, Mike. What are some of the things that we talk about that are important to people? Well, we talk about, uh, let's say, well, let's start with home base. So home base should be your website. And we talk a lot about your website and how to drive traffic to that. Uh, Given that, we also talk about all the spokes that radiate from that. And that would be like Facebook and Mm -hmm. Twitter and LinkedIn and everything. And uh, those are social media networks. And then we also talk about uh, the traffic that you can do or the little tricks and things that you can do, like advertising or what have you on Facebook or wherever, um, Mm -hmm. that would drive that traffic from that social media network over to your website home base we do and we continually remind you that you need to have home base somewhere that you actually can get to the content all of the content uh, and do whatever you want to with it move it with you to another place if you want so having facebook a facebook page as your primary website is not a good idea is it sir um uh, yeah I, you know i actually <laughs> never is I actually remember um there was when and it was i think it was linkedin linkedin was um really um somebody went hog wild i think one of the coaches out there went hog wild when linkedin allowed long format posts and mm-hmm. all of a sudden i was seeing uh, announcements that hey i'm going to kill my website and just use linkedin as my website uh, hold on a second. We do have a sound effect for that. All I've got to do is walk back over here to the studio, and then we get this. <laughs> never, never. That's a bad, bad idea. So we talk about actually having a website that is on a web hosting account that you pay for every month. Well, if you can find a decent free one, that's fine. But you know what you get for free, Mike? Uh, issues. (laughs) Yeah, usually. Yeah. Hobbled, um, handicapped. I don't know. Whatever word you want to put to it, they do not function to the full potential of other things. So I know, I think you're a fan of Bluehost. Is that right? Um, I've got quite a few, um, 
you know, I, I try to be because I build so many different websites on different uh, hosts and with different hosting levels. Um, I try not to have uh, favorites. I have definite mm-hmm. unfavorites, uh, but I try to be. You know what? If the if they're working for you and you're happy, clap mm-hmm. your hands. That's right. Uh, the one word of caution I have, and we just recently saw a. A good example of that here on my side is if you're not going to get in and manage your hosting account regularly, don't just get a rack space. Get something that has managed uh, hosting, something that has a cPanel or whatever, because you can easily find yourself into a world of hurt if you've just got data that's setting out there doing absolutely netting. Um, Had a client about three weeks ago that is obviously or absolutely one of the worst infections I've ever seen. If you could imagine um, <laughs> finding a finding a uh, uh, campsite somewhere that was completely overrun with bears, snakes, alligators, jaguars, bobcats, yellow jackets, wasps, <laughs> that's what this uh, hosting <laughs> account was like. We're still digging through that, Mike Mueller, still. Uh, oh, in fact, my. today, and I know was- this is a little off topic, uh, but today yep. I discovered a new self-replicating uh, bit that has come from somewhere inside there because we've pretty much got the walls sealed off now. And when I try to open it to see what's inside of it or I try to download it and look mm-hmm. at it, it disappears. Very it interesting. Yes. Now, wow. this is a financial management service company, so it's a higher value target than just your average website. Um, but still, somebody's been very aggressive in going at that. Uh, so I know that's a little bit off of topic. Uh, you know, we've got a new segment that we do, and we've been doing it uh, for the past several shows. What version of our show is this? Is this uh, episode 16 of season 9? I believe it is. That's crazy. Yeah, season 9, episode 16. That is crazy. Um, so we've been doing this thing where we feature tools and I've never seen your tool before, so I took a look at it today, and uh, can't wait to talk about that. But uh, I'm going to do mine first, because I want to encourage everyone who has a website to do this. I don't know if everyone's aware, but Google kind of has a two-second rule, and anything over two seconds gets penalized, and anything under two seconds is uh, it's on the happy train. So one way to know what we're talking about is to go over to tools.pingdom, P-I-N-G-D-O-M.com, put in your web address, and see how fast it loads. If you have a WordPress site and you have not had it optimized for speed, I can almost guarantee you're going to be in the four to seven second range at a minimum. Now, what this does is it loads all the elements of your page, and it creates what's called a waterfall. And in that waterfall, you can look and see what's taking so long to load. The first thing that loads is your DNS. And if your DNS is running at about a half second, you already have a huge handicap. That means it hasn't even started to load your website until that DNS is finished. So uh, everything on there is done in milliseconds. So 500 milliseconds is a half of a second. Um, They're a little difficult to read for the layman. But they're not that difficult to read. But if you run it and you're getting a six-second, eight-second, 12-second, then you need to either talk to Mike or me, uh, and let's find out why, because you're just never going to win the Google battle with that. 
but uh, tools.pingdom.com is a website speed load test uh, that gives you the results that you need to know how fast you're loading. I know you use it, Mike. Absolutely. And uh, I've had, and there, there's uh, a number of different ones out there that do kind of similar, but I'm going to mm-hmm. say I like this one the best. And Google seems to like this one the best. This gives you mm-hmm. the best accurate um, readings. Absolutely. What have you brought today? Okay, so we talk a lot about um, having your site being mobile responsive. And so every site that I've built for the last couple of years has always been mobile responsive. And, okay, that's great and dandy. But the thing is, you can break that mobile responsive responsivity. (laughs) Wow, that was a word. Um, You can break that, and you can do it pretty easily by uh, just embedding a, let's say, a YouTube video. Well, you or, sure can. And you've mentioned this numerous times, and then we just go on and we do our we do our thing. Um, but if you're embedding a let's say a Google Map, if you're embedding uh, you know a lot of these things, what happens is um, you get typically it's done by iframe, and iframe essentially says, you know what, make this 100% of the width available or 680, and then of course if you're looking on a 240 pixel screen. That 680 width, that's way too wide. So you've effectively broken the the mobile responsiveness of your website, or at least of mm-hmm. that page. And so what this does, embedresponsively.com, what it does is basically you, you just say, okay, you know what, I want to embed this YouTube video, or I want to embed this whatever, and it could be an iframe. And it puts it in what's called a container. And you don't need to know a whole lot about that, but if you're, let's say you're putting it in a page and your page width uh, pixel-wise is 690 pixels wide, it will say, you know what, go 690 if you want to, or you can go a whole lot smaller. And that's what a container does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually the key. I jumped over really quickly and I looked at their example that's on there with the uh, IKEA monkey. Uh, dust in the wind <laughs> and uh, when I first saw the words iframe I kind of went ooh but then I looked and I noticed yeah. they have the embed container they have the CSS that's in there uh, a couple of the very important things are overflow hidden max, max width 100% uh, mm. and then you could actually go in and modify it if you want, because the way they have it right now is to position it zero zero on a 100%. You could do uh, some other things to it if you know CSS, but yes, for the, uh, for the person who is doing what you are talking about, uh, embedding something primarily into like a WordPress post or into a uh, post on their uh, blog, definitely very good tool. And I notice it uses uh, YouTube, Vimeo, Google Maps, Instagram, uh, and even a generic iframe, Mike, you can create your own content to go into your um, into your uh, generic iframe. I like that. Yeah. Well, I was I was building a, and the reason this came up was this week I was building a, a website and they wanted to iframe. I think it was like a fairy schedule or something like that, and so it was dynamic content from another website, and they wanted to iframe that in. I said, okay, that's great, but you know what? You're going to you're going to run into issues because it's an iframe, and this is exactly what we did. We just did that generic iframe, 
doesn't fix it, but it stops. I mean, it's still the iframe source is still going to be full width. What it does mm-hmm. do in this particular case is it doesn't break the responsiveness of the website. And so that still could show up in Google. Yep. Very good. Great, great tool. Uh, let's see. I think we have a sound effect that goes with this. So let's just do this. Because Mike has brought more information today to share with us. Really good. We're going to take it from the top. Off to our correspondent live. Mike Mueller on scene. How's that? <laughs> well, let's see. I'll put on my announcer voice, my uh, <laughs> my TV voice. So, um, in the news, well, I, I threw up a couple of different things, and the first one, well, it was kind of I I see thing I see connections everywhere. You know, when you see news stories and things like that, Apple has been discounting iPads, and so great time if you want to get an iPad and been looking at iPads for a long time, and you're thinking, oh, I really want an iPad. Now is actually not a bad time, and they're discounting iPads. Well, they're not necessarily. I mean, it's a good deal. If you want an iPad, they may be coming out for something new, but I'll tell you what, I saw a couple of other stories that kind of tie into this, and I'm guessing this is very well connected. iPads are essentially um, wonderful for uh, digesting content. They're not necessarily good for creating things, but they're good for digesting content. Well, in the same, I'm going to say, room, same marketplace, uh, Microsoft is coming out with a new Surface laptop. Uh, the announcement is probably going to happen today. Everybody thinks that it's going to happen today. There's a big Microsoft, Microsoft conference, and they're going to announce the new Surface laptop, which is a competitor to the Chromebook. Well, Chromebooks are also wonderful for digesting content, not creating content, digesting content. You could use, you know, you could use Google Docs and create content too, but. For the most part, um, it's a whole lot of good content digestion stuff. That's right in the same space that iPads are. So Mm -hmm. I'm thinking you buy a new, well, you know, what Apple's doing, I think, is they're discounting their iPads. So you go and you get an iPad, and then Microsoft comes out with the new Surface, which is a competitor to the Chromebook, and Chromebooks are are wonderful. I've got a Chromebook. They're wonderful as well. And all of a sudden, now you don't need a Chromebook. You don't need a new Microsoft Surface. Hmm. And it's all uh, timed really close to the uh, Samsung Galaxy 8. So <clears throat> lots of fun this summer. <laughs> uh, I haven't tried the Surface. I, I know a couple of people that have them, and they absolutely love them. Uh, so I'm sure that Apple's doing the right thing in, in discounting their iPads. They could, as we know, could sell them for much less than they do and still make a profit. They just couldn't be the most profitable corporation on the planet if they did that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's uh, not surprising that they're dropping the price to try to edge out Microsoft because that Surface actually, uh, from what I understand, is uh, it's quite the piece of equipment as far as uh, speed and capabilities go. And I uh, think that uh, Microsoft has done a pretty decent job of marketing those against the iPad with some of the features that they have that are not available on the iPad. So good yep. stuff. Uh, yeah. I, I guess Apple's going to have to respond uh, to the Surface with an Apple product that does something that the uh, Microsoft product doesn't do. I don't know who actually manufactures <laughs> that uh, 
surface, though. You know, uh, Apple does manufacture their own product, and Microsoft has uh, generally been aligned with, uh, uh, well, it used to be Hewlett Packard. Uh, I'm not even sure who it is now. Right. Any idea who, who does that these days? Ooh, I don't know. Not sure. Not not important. Uh, the next one you brought up is is part of the topic today, but let's go ahead and tease it a little bit. Uh, oh, we can talk about it more more well, than the topic itself. Yeah, then you should tease it because this came from you. I saw this in your in your timeline. Yeah, well, uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, the changing of the sharing buttons on the Google Stream, and the reason we're going to talk about that is to make sure that you, as a business owner marketer, know what. Uh, who gets to see what you put on and who gets to share it and how you can determine that because there's been a change and there's been some discussion about it. And I think I finally got it figured out. Uh, I didn't do the right thing and go read the directions from Facebook or anything. <laughs> I just experimented <laughs> with it a little bit and, uh, and found out. Um, so data mining, that's a thing. And we know that it's used a lot. Uh, you've you've caught someone red-handed, or someone has caught someone red-handed doing something. Well, I'm I'm not really going to catch anybody red-handed. I'm not that no. good of a of person, but um, you know the yes, you internet uh, is. And um, Facebook was was actually uh, putting out there. Facebook makes money from advertising, and Facebook uh, was putting out there. Hey. Here's a great way to sell your product if your product happens to be um, pointed towards uh, the teenagers who uh, tend to have emotional issues and who mm. tend to be uh, feeling anxious or worthless or what have you, as this article says. Um, and they actually were throwing out, I mean, this is Facebook, uh, putting out a, a what they call a selling point saying that, hey, our algorithm, algorithms can determine or allow advertisers to pinpoint moments when young people need a confidence boost. And that is, uh, you know what, that's normal. I, I, I'm not going to say normal. I'm going to say that's, that's advertising. And if you want to get to the zero moment of whatever, if you're an advertiser and I need a new website, I'd love my ad to pop up and say, hey, Hire Mike, you know, he'll build you a new website. Or, you know, we're talking about web hosting. I need a new web host. That would be zero-moment advertising. And that's kind of what they're talking about here, which is great and all, but then people have an issue because what they were targeting were troubled teenagers. Mm. 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 Well, let me see if I have a problem with that. If they're doing something that is a service and that they're not keep, oh never mind they are keeping the data uh, <laughs> so yeah so i think that one gets the old uh yeah i, I don't like it i think that's a little yeah. uh little little too far we're going to take a short break and uh we'll be right back with just a little bit more about this uh Great topic we have today. We're going to be talking about Facebook privacy or the Facebook sharing privacy. Uh, we're going to touch a little bit on landing pages again and then just a brief overview of keyword monitoring and why you should be doing it. We'll be right back. Frustrated with your website? Can't get it to look right or work right? Think it's too expensive to hire a real development company to quickly turn things around? Think again. 
For as little as $35, Ken Cook will investigate and often correct issues with your website. With over 20 years of web coding experience, he'll quickly identify your challenges and help keep the cost and time to a minimum. Many jobs can be completed the same day. Regardless of where your site is hosted, what platform it's developed on, or what framework is used, contact Ken today at thekencook.com. And instead of working for your website, make it work for you. Hey, this is Mike Mueller, and in case you didn't know, when I'm not co-hosting the show, I'm busy building websites for small businesses just like yours. But you know what? I do it a little differently than most web developers. First of all, I don't farm anything out. And secondly, I build what you want, not what I think you should have. And I don't just build a website. I don't just throw a template at it and call it a day. I ask you some very specific questions about your business and the goals of the website, and then... I build a unique system that fits your needs. And that's something no other web developer does. Check out areweconnected.com forward slash smedge for more details and a special bonus just for you, our listeners. Fabulous. Oh, I hear, I hear Ken coming back. Indeed. So, did you need a privacy moment? Is that what you needed? <laughs> Everybody needs a privacy moment from time to time. Uh, but on to our topic. Which Privacy. Was? Facebook. Yes. yes. Uh, you know, it's been going around. There have been a lot of posts on Facebook in the stream. And, Mike, the mm-hmm. share button disappeared where'd it go i think that i think what what they did and i'm going to say they did um because it wasn't you i and you i saw it on your stream first so you broke the news as far as i'm concerned um i think it's fabulous so you and i are very different so your profile and let's get this straight your Facebook profile is you. That's who I have become friends with. Not your Facebook mm-hmm. page, which mm-hmm. I become a like or you, what used to be a fan. So we're talking about your profile. On your profile, you and I are very different. I share things publicly. So if mm-hmm. you look at any of my posts, it's got the little itty-bitty globe sitting next to there. And most of your posts are uh, the little uh, couple of friends icon. Mm-hmm. That's correct. So um, they are friends is, is what my settings are primarily. Uh, there's another setting that is called friends of friends. And we have to talk about the privacy before we talk about the share button. Um, because mm-hmm. it's, as folks will see, it's very important. Um, friends means if we're not, di- if we are directly connected, then, then you're my friend. I actually take it a little bit, uh, another step even farther than that, because I have um, quite a few people that I am friends with who are actually in my, uh, uh, what's the, what's the uh, list called? It's, uh, and I do use lists. Uh, there's a list called restricted, which is a default list that comes uh, from Facebook. Uh, Facebook, I believe, comes to default with uh, restricted family 
Um, mm-hmm. Friends, uh, friends of friends, and close friends. I think those are the default categories. So you can actually choose which one of those categories you want to place people into. Well, believe it or not, about 75% of the people that I'm quote-unquote friends with on Facebook are in that restricted list. They can't see anything that I post, but we're still friends. And, and I've talked about this recently, I believe, on the show. The reason I do that is because I still think it's important to kind of have them in my connection book because they're, they're business connections, uh, not really right. personal connections. So I still like to be able to instant message with them and uh, kind of keep up with what they've got going on. I just don't necessarily want them to keep up with what I have going on. Um, so uh, when when I post, and I post to uh, my profile page, it automatically, by default, goes to friends. It includes all of my friends except for those which are in the restricted list. Uh, restricted just automatically. Facebook doesn't show anything too restricted. Mike, I guess we should tell the people how to know who sees um, their posts. And the way you do that is by going to your profile page. uh, And over on the lower right-hand corner of your uh, your your header image, uh, what do they call it? Can't even remember now. Your uh, cover image. Cover image. There's an ellipsis, three little dots, dot dot dot. If you click on that, and I'm on a I'm on my computer now, not on my uh, right mobile device. I click on view as. Yep, right on desktop. I click on view as, and what it shows you at first is view as public. So that's how it comes up. Uh, anybody that's public, anything that you see on that page is things that can be seen by the public. I don't have many of those. I uh, do recently. I have net neutrality articles about uh, that are public. If I want to view mm-hmm. as a specific person, then up at the top across the bar, I click on that and I type in that person's name and I can see um, what that person can see on my page. Okay. So now I'm on my page uh, as a friend and, and I'm going to pick a friend that I know can see my stuff. Uh, because I know Mike Mueller is not on my uh, restricted list. He can see everything that I post. Uh, But if I go to my page, uh, Mike, there's not much there that you can share. And that's because I have it set to friends only. Mm -hmm. If I had it set to friends and friends of friends, then Mike could share my information but here's what happens. It only is seen by my friends who are also friends of Mike and their friends. So there's still a limited audience. And I know that's a little obfuscated. Mike, can you say that a better way? Is there a, <laughs> because I tried to explain yeah. it to someone the other day using those words. Well, yeah. So, uh, I'm going to I'm going to come from my angle. So, I'm looking at Ken Cook's post and Ken Cook's post is shown to me because I'm his friend. Now, if I share it and I turn around and I share it to my public everybody who follows me, my 5,000 people who follow me and then I've got a whole bunch of um, you know, all of that, that doesn't mean that they're going to see it because you shared it to friends and friends of friends and the people who are neither of are not going to see it at all. 
That's correct. And if it's on the not on my profile page, but if it's in the actual news feed, so we have to ver- uh, differentiate between the two. It won't mm-hmm. have a share button at all to uh, most people that can see it. It's just there's not going to be a share button there because of the privacy settings I have. So let's talk about how to get that share button back if you want it back. If you are a real estate agent and you are having an open house and you want everyone to be able to share that information about that open house and you place that open house information on your Facebook profile page, not your business page, Mm -hmm. but on your profile page, and you want it to be able to be shared, got to have the globe. So how do you get to the globe? Well, when you're posting – uh, you get a choice, and it will actually tell you uh, when you when you click on uh, the the post area, you'll see a little button, and it'll either say public or friends right. or for whatever you've got it set to. It's a little drop down arrow, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm not looking at it on my mobile device, but I think it's the same thing on there. Uh, choose right. public if if you want it to be able to be shared. Uh, so that anyone can share it uh, with anyone else. Because if you have it set to friends, like I do by default, that share button is not going to be there. Mm-hmm. Boy, I'm not sure that the water's any clearer now, Mike. <laughs> if you have a question, <laughs> either get Mike or myself well, on Twitter. And, and Mike's going to try to put that into English for you. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say, so because that's so convoluted and, and like, like you're trying to explain it and muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, I think Mike fell off. Either Mike fell off. No, or I didn't. I'm so, here. Oh, there he is. <laughs> yeah. So what I said was um, I like that Facebook did this and they just did this and solved the problem because it's so hard to explain this whole thing. But if people are going to just share to friends, that's great. And if people are going to share publicly, that's great. Understand your privacy there. But Facebook's going to fix this issue for the general public by just taking away that share button. Absolutely. And it will help me not have to explain anymore to people why they can't share my post. Because constantly I would see people sharing my post. And I've written about it yep. on my uh, Facebook profile several times. Well, we've, <laughs> we've beaten about all we can beat out of that one. So if you want it to be able to be shared, make it public. If you don't care, you go. like I don't, keep it private. Uh, let's move on. Next one, uh, we've talked about this before and probably can't talk about it enough, but I would like to keep it short, and that is landing pages. Now, the last time we talked about this, Mike – uh, talked a good bit about using any page, really, as a landing page. And you can. But I want to talk a little mm-hmm. bit more today about what should a landing page do. Um, my take on landing pages, and we're not talking about squeeze pages, the one that you can't leave without clicking on something else, because any landing page can be a squeeze page. Um, but a landing page needs to have additional interaction or specific information delivered to the viewer to make it really valid. And I'm going to give an example of how I would use a landing page, and then, then we'll let Mike uh, sum it up for us. If you're running a special campaign, if you are 
if you have a Facebook ad or if you have a special that you feature with your spot on uh, social media edge radio. Like Mike and I both have a Ford slash smedge um, for specials that we offer to listeners of the show. That's because we're directing that traffic to a specific page that delivers specific information to a specific audience and may even have a specific deal on it. So for me, a landing page, a really effective one is going to do three things. Number one, it's going to keep the attention of the viewer, either by providing a good bit of in-depth, important, relative information, or very short and concise to the point information. Uh, The next thing it's going to do is going to deliver specific information that's available only to people that have that link. And I generally don't connect my landing pages to my menu on my website. So even though it may look like the website, it's not navigable to that landing page unless you click on a link elsewhere and get to it. Right. And the third one is to collect information from that viewer, to convert that viewer from a viewer to either a customer or a prospect. Then those are my purposes for landing pages. Now, what they look like and what's on them, that's totally up to the campaign and up to the website itself. Does that make sense, sir? That certainly does. I think the, I think you did a good job there. I think that was perfect. Oh, maybe I should do that for a living <laughs> when I grow up. <laughs> okay, then the last thing I want to talk about very quickly today, again, uh, is – monitoring keywords. Uh, Guarantee you we can go out there right now and find yet another guru who says that uh, search engine optimization is dead, blogging is dead, whatever, pick pick a term. Somebody out there is selling a seminar or a webinar or a book telling you why they're dead and you don't need to worry about them anymore. Uh, Not true. In fact, Google still depends very much on keywords. The big difference is Google now, while it does pay a lot of attention to keywords, it pays a huge amount of attention to context. Um, Back when Google first came out, all you had to do was go down to the bottom of the page and type uh, septic tank clean out, septic tank pumping, septic tank maintenance, septic tank care, septic tank uh, installation, or whatever (laughs) your business was. You remember those days of keyword stuffing, Mike? Oh, they were absolutely. Um, but keywords are still important to Google. Otherwise, visitors would not find what they were looking for. So what we need to do is make sure that we're using relative keywords that have a higher likelihood of being typed into the engine. Uh, you may have a funny way of saying something in your business. You might be trying to create a little uh, uh, catchphrase or something. If that catchphrase has no... Uh, search traffic, it's not going to do you any good. So if you come up with uh, something like uh, glass football installation, you know, uh, yeah, good luck with that because nobody is searching for glass football installation. So a couple of things that I do when I interview a client for the first time is I ask them what they do. What do you do? Mm -hmm. What is, why do people call you? Uh, and generally they'll get it wrong the first three or four times. You ever notice that, Mike? I yeah, I can I can see that. Well, it depends on the industry. Um, it does. Yeah, <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> um, so you kind of have to guide them through, and then once you get into that, now becomes the crucial time of 
first of all, before I even analyze their content, I want to go over to Google and I want to see how particular keywords are performing. Um, Google still provides a great tool for that. Um, and they can help you find relevant keywords and they'll help you build that over time that actually may perform better. Uh, I learned a trick quite some time ago. Feel free to use this if you want. Instead of going in and bidding the going rate for keywords, which could be anywhere from $0.60 cents to $42 per click, uh, depending on your industry and the keyword, go in and spend a nickel and buy a whole bunch of keywords and bid a nickel on them. So if you get a click, that's awesome. You spend a nickel, not $12. But over time, Google is going to make suggestions based on your traffic, based on your content of other keywords. And now you can take those keywords and go in and start looking to see which one performs the best for you. Now you might find a keyword that converts that's worth $1.50, $2, whatever the cost is to get them to click to come to your site. There again, landing pages are critical. Because you want to make sure, if you're spending $1.50 a click, you want to make sure, if at the very least, you're capturing their contact information. Then I go in and I do a uh, word cloud, essentially, where I see what the pages are talking about. Do it on each page individually. Mm -hmm. And that way I know, uh, is that really what that page is talking about? Now, I don't want to stuff keywords because Google is smart. If, you're, if your keyword ratio is too high, they're going to penalize you for it. So what they want is plain yep. English conversation, just like you would have anywhere else, just like what Mike and I are having right now. Or actually, I'm rambling right now. Um, and, and figure out which pages are using the correct keywords and which ones are performing the best. Then you monitor those by watching your Google uh, Analytics and your Google AdWords uh, spend. It doesn't take too long, maybe uh, 60 to 90 days, and you pretty much got it down to, to where you want to be. Whew. And that's probably all that's I need to fabulous. say about that. But, but uh, oh, yeah. what's your take from that angle? Well, I, <laughs> so the tool that you mentioned from Google, I imagine, was the Google, Google Keyword Planner. Is that correct? That is correct. And we used to be able to, I mean, they took away the tool that we used to use, but I think um, what they've replaced it with is actually you've got to, you've got to do a little bit of waiting and you've got to, um, you know, because they are going to offer up, hey, you should try these keywords. These are mm-hmm. getting, you know, pretty good. That's phenomenal. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, the, you know, paying a nickel. I think is a phenomenal thing. I had not heard that before, and that's a great way of just because what happens now is with the old tool, you can re, you you were research you put in a keyword and you research and you would see how much competition is for that particular keyword, and that was just specific keywords and it was not related to your content on your site per se. And this is a so much better way of going about this because it is related to your site. Google is looking at your site and saying, hey, this is the keywords you might want to consider using. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it works. And like Phenomenal. I said, it does take, you know, it takes 60 to 90 days to really get it uh, down to where you want it. And then even on top of that, there's still some tweaking. 
Uh, and that's one thing that we also have to emphasize is you've got to keep tweaking those pages and your site and your content to, to make them convert. Uh, it's not mm-hmm. the field of dreams. And I don't care if you're spending $12,000 a month to be number one on Google if your pages aren't converting. They're just not converting. Right. Yep. So if you got any questions about that, you can hit Mike or I up on uh, Twitter or anything we've talked about today. Mike's at uh, Mike Beeler. I'm at the Ken Cook. And uh, we're going to finish up with a little game that we've been playing this year. Uh, actually, we played it in the past. It's called Rapid Fire. And Mike has come up with the questions today, which is good because uh, it's kind of blindsiding me. So we're going to play the game. I'm going to start the clock. Mike's going to ask the question. I'm going to start the clock. And uh, I'm going to answer the questions. So I actually won't be able to see the questions as Mike is reading them. So uh, let me get over here to the studio and uh, go ahead and give it a start, Mike. You ready? Here we go. Uh, I'm ready. Start the timer. What is your Internet speed right now? Uh, my current Internet speed is about... Um, 35 and 12. Okay. Uh, next question. Internet? Nope. What is your internet oh. speed? Well, I know what I pay for. I pay for 100 megabytes per second, and that's a download. And, of course, your upload is always going to be less, and that's 10 megabytes per second. So I pay for 75, and uh, I get about half of that most of the time. Sometimes I get it all. Okay, let's go with question number two. Okay, are you on cable, satellite, or other, and why? I am on cable because it is reliable in storms and weather, and um, I also have cable. Cable. All right, Very good. and same question to you, cable, satellite, or other. I am on cable, and I'll tell you why, because when I first moved into this house many years ago, nobody else was, and I was getting a good pipeline. Oh, I bet you were. (laughs) I'd love to be on a node by myself. just doesn't happen in this neighborhood. Uh, Okay, question number three. Main computer, is it connected via wire or Wi-Fi? Actually, I have both on but uh at this moment the one that i'm using because we're doing the show is on cable only because if it was on wi-fi i'd be breaking up uh and uh you (laughs) question number three main connected via wi-fi yeah yeah my main computer which right now is my macbook pro sitting right here is connected via wi-fi and the router is right next to it Ah, that's, that's that's pretty good. And if you've got a class in, you've got some good through, throughput there. Uh, all right, uh, the fourth and final question. All right, how many other devices are normally connected to your stream? Well, I normally have a total of 13, so that would be 12 other devices. And, yes, I check that very often. Um, very how good. About you? Uh, I never check, but I can tell you I've got my TV, my so I've got Wi-Fi downstairs. I've got, I'm going to say I've probably got about 15 other devices with all the different phones and other things floating around. Right, for people that are listening, for people that are listening, there's a couple of different ways to know. I actually have three separate Wi-Fi networks in my home, three. 
separate Wi-Fi awesome. Um So what you do is you log into your router, and in your router you look for connected devices, and your connected devices will show you how many you have connected now, whether you can track them down to see what they actually are is a different story. And the one reason that you want to do that regularly is to make sure that people aren't hijacking your Wi-Fi or snooping on your system. So what do you think about all that? That's just, uh, that's just great stuff. Yeah. Don't bother me. (laughs) Uh, Another great show, Mike Mueller. Thank you for your contributions. Absolutely. And we'll be back next week. We do have a couple of guests that are lined up. Not sure when they're going to be here, but uh, they're lined up and will be with us soon. And uh, I think it's time to say bye, Mike. Bye, Mike. Bye, Mike. See you next week. Thanks to Kevin McLeod. Thanks for listening to yet another edition of Social Media Edge Radio with your host, Ken Cook, and co-host, Mike Mueller. Stay on top of what's happening by visiting socialmediaedge.com. <laughs>